Hey, welcome to the Art of Successful Living. My name is Joanne Williams. This podcast is about learning how to overcome personal difficulties, make better choices, and cultivate a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. We begin this new series called The Presence of God in the Book of Genesis. And I encourage you to go back and listen to parts one and two if you have not done so already. Today, we're going to begin with the presence of God at the altar. The presence of God at the altar. We're going to be reading from the Bible, uh, particularly Exodus chapter 20, verses 22 through 25. And that's where we're going to um, rely on as our key scripture. And it reads, And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shall sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, thy sheep and oxen in all places where I record my name. I will come unto you or unto thee and will bless thee. And if thou will make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. And again, that's Exodus chapter 20, verses 22 through 25. So after the disobedience of Adam and Eve, which is what I talked about last time, the presence of God in the Garden of Eden. After their disobedience, um, it resulted in their being uh, denied access to the Garden of God. And um, prior to everything they did and everywhere they went was in the presence of God. They lived in reverence, adoration, walking with him daily, enjoying uh, knowing God and hearing God. And it just brought it was it was the greatest significance, the greatest satisfaction, uh, uh, the greatest worth, the greatest purpose and fulfillment. But their disobedience caused this paradise, this paradise place and position of contentment, joy and fulfillment to be lost. Adam and Eve's appetites, that's what I mentioned last time, became motivated by their own desires, will and self-centered, self-directed path. They went away from God into their own way, which always leads to dissatisfaction, despair and death. And so uh, now that they have been, you know, basically kicked out of the garden, um, the fellowship that God had is now lost. You know, it's now been interrupted. Yeah, interrupted is a better word than lost. 
Yeah, so that fellowship had been interrupted. So God the Father, because he loves mankind so much to leave it that way, um, it because it's always God's will for there to be a place for his presence in the earth. And his will did not change because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. He always intends for there to be a place for him to meet and and fellowship with mankind, a place of communing with him in peace and joy. His presence requires a place that is holy, hollow, and sanctified. And now that there is this separation between God and man because of what happened in the, in the garden, the Lord God must reveal to man how and where, because this garden is no, man no longer has access to it. This garden um, or this location and position, he has to reveal to man how and where to meet him. The, again, the location and the position. And so the first time, the first thing we see in the Bible is where his presence is in the garden. But then after Adam and Eve, God spoke to the fathers long ago. He reveals to them how to realize and achieve a place for his presence. And this is through diverse experiences. And in many ways, he cultivates and manifests that the place for his presence is a place of grace and favor, hearing and obeying. The place for his presence is a position of surrender and giving. It's a place of broken, brokenness and contrition, a place of sacrifice. It's a place to receive God through faith in his word. So now I want to look at the biblical fathers and we want to look at the uh, process that God has now uh, or his plan that God has now made for mankind to reconnect with him and meet with him through an altar as a place for his presence. God reveals that at an altar, he will come to you and bless you. If we are to attain a position of favor, if we are to find fulfillment, we have to reconnect with his presence. Now, let's take a look at Noah. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, which is Genesis chapter six, verse eight. In the process of time, as the Lord God kept watch over the earth in every place, he saw the situation of the world and boy, did it grieve him in his heart. While he was beholding everything, God also saw Noah. He's a man he knew who had faith and integrity in his generation. So God extended to Noah his grace and favor. God told Noah about his plan to exact righteous judgment on the earth. He warned him that he was going to flood the earth to destroy it. Go back and read um, Noah's story. Anyway, although uh, nothing had ever been seen like that before in the earth, Noah believed God. And Noah moved with 
reverential fear. And he did uh, did according to all that the God had commanded him to do. And because of Noah's faith, God remembered him and his family and preserved them through the flood by his loving grace. Noah, after this, built an altar unto the Lord. And the Bible says that he took every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savior. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing. I have uh, every living thing I have done while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease through Noah's experience. Then we see uh, the Lord manifesting his gracious nature and revealing to Noah that in order to meet with him, number one, we need his grace. Number two, we must hear him and honor him through obedience. If we are to be in his presence, we have to recognize a need for his favor upon our lives. If mankind does not acknowledge their need for God, then they're going to remain in the dark out of his presence. They're going to be looked upon as rebels subject to the consequences of their disobedience to meet with the Lord. We must accept that we need his light and love to shine in our hearts, to lead us back to our position and place of fellowship with him. Now, the second thing we have to remember is if we are to be in his presence, we must hear him and obey him. Scriptures say my sheep hear my voice. God, because of his love, has extended his mercy and grace to all mankind in order to come to him. It's essential that we understand and follow his word. Our faith and, and trust in God must be the motive and, and the drive that pushes us to submit to him and move and causes us to move in the direction that he's leading and guiding us. Noah's obedience in building the ark attested to his reliance and hope in God's word. He demonstrated unwavering confidence in who God is and all the all that he promised to do and because of his steadfast devotion he was not only saved from destruction but he was also uh, able to become an heir of righteousness when we have faith in God's word and righteousness well let me say that again when we have faith in God's word and and when we diligently seek him then we are positioned to be rewarded by him. Therefore, faith is the portal. It's the way to enter into his presence. You want to enter in God's presence? People always talk about his presence. You got to enter in through faith. Whoever wants to approach God 
you must believe in him. Remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. True faith manifests in active obedience, and obedience is always faithfully rewarded. Noah built an altar, altar unto the Lord in response to God's favor over his life by rescuing him and his family from destruction. For him, the altar was a place of showing gratitude and worship unto the Lord. It was a position to honor and revere the Lord. Noah, his faith in God secured a close connection between the two of them. The Lord showed Noah how to meet with him and where to meet with him at an altar. The altar marked a condition for exchange between Noah and God. It was a place of sacrifice, devotion, and acceptance. Noah offered a sacrifice, and God was present to receive and accept his sacrifice. God communed with Noah through this interactions or through the interactions at the altar. It was um, through this exchange at the altar that God entered into a covenant relationship with Noah. Next, there's Abraham. And the Bible says, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto thy seed, will I give this land and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And this is found where Abraham builds an altar unto the Lord uh, for his presence. And this is Genesis chapter 12, verse seven. Throughout generations, God has worked in the lives of mankind to bring to pass his plan to make provision to conquer the effects of sin on the earth. And in this plan, he chose to show mercy to Abram. God, remember in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, God spoke to Abram and called him to leave his country and kindred to go to a place that he would show him. And because of his loving grace, he initiated an unconditional covenant with Abraham, obligating only himself to bless Abram to make of him a great nation, to make his name great, and to make him a blessing to all families of the earth. God spoke to Abram and called him out of familiarity, out of emptiness, and out of unproductiveness, that he might direct him and show him the path of life. He cultivated within him a fruitfulness that would ultimately bring blessings to him, his family, and all the families of the earth. Abraham believed God and so departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And because of his faith, he obeyed, went out, not knowing where he was going. And we can find that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. Abram followed the Lord and sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For the Bible says that he, Abram, he for he looked for a city or a place which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. 
And as Abram passed through Canaan, the Lord or Canaan, the Lord appeared unto him. And in response to the miraculous revelation of his presence, Abraham built an altar unto the Lord. In Abram's experience, the altar was a place to honor the presence of the Lord and call upon his name. He took pleasure in his relationship with the Lord. And at the altar, he embraced his living presence. It was a place where God revealed himself and Abram could grow in his knowledge and understanding of God's character. It was a position where he could call upon the Lord because he depended on him and trusted in him. He trusted his word. He trusted the promises of God. It was a space that was dedicated and consecrated by the presence of the Lord. Throughout Abram's life, the altar would continually serve as a point of surrender, thanksgiving, sacrifice, and a way to demonstrate his unfaltering faith in the promises of God through worship and obedience. The Bible says, Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Genesis chapter 13, verse 18. In Abram's life, the altar also was a place that also marked confirmation from the Lord. Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 through 18. When there came a time of separation in his life from his heir, Lot, remember Lot, God spoke again to Abram to fortify his word. God spoke to him. He wanted to fortify him. And God confirmed to Abram that his promises are yet true. It served as a reminder to look to God and not within yourself. Don't choose your own path. Don't don't try to work out your own inheritance. Abram dwelt in Canaan or Canaan juxtaposed to his nephew Lot in the plain of Jordan where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And everybody know the story about Sodom and Gomorrah. If not, go back and read it. Anyway. Although they were positioned alongside one another, they were certainly separated by their motives. Abram was moving by faith to apprehend an inheritance that was graciously being given to him by God. Lot selfishly chose his own journey and foolishly succumbed to the deception of dissatisfaction. Instead of aligning with Abram, who was following the word of God, Lot eyed what appealed to him and what seemed better. See, he was guided by his own opinion and personal ambition. What appeared to his senses as a fruitful and productive paradise, like the garden of the Lord, turned out to be a place devoid of God's presence. God's presence wasn't there. God's favor wasn't there. God's blessings was not there. The play, the, the peace and the contentment that Lot sought, it was never found there. The only thing Lot found there was continual vexations to his righteous soul. Lot was vexed while he was there. On the other hand, God confirmed and renewed his word to Abram. 
he reassured him that the inheritance that the inheritance that he had chosen for him was real and was far more exceedingly abundant above all that he could ask, think, or imagine. A life lived in the in his presence, in God's presence, is one that is fulfilled with blessings and satisfaction. While Lot chose to separate himself, the Lord God loved Abram and declared to him that he would be with him now and throughout his generations perpetually. He said to Abram, look around you. What I am giving you is far better than what Lot chose and what this world has to offer. The Lord God promised Abram that he would make his fruitfulness unlimited. And he told God told Abram to rise and walk through the land that he would give him. Walk about Zion and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof, mark ye well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our God even unto death. Psalms 48 verses 12 through 14. Abram looked around through eyes of faith, unlike Lot, who saw his own senses and personal ambition. Abram took steps of faith to take hold of the hope that was set before him. He believed in the promises of God. So he removed his tent and built an altar unto the Lord. Abram withdrew his tent to make room for the Lord, and he relinquished a place for his presence. He resolved to live in the presence of God, listening, following, and obeying God in faith. He submitted himself in humility and built an altar to the Lord for, you know, uh, for Abraham. The altar was a place to express his gratitude for the promises of God. There he could fellowship with the Lord and Abram could follow God as he directed his path and ordered his steps towards his promises, towards his purposes and will. Abraham walked before the Lord and God talked with him in fellowship and the, the Lord God Almighty appeared to Abram and he he renews the or renews this covenant with him that he had and, and God also instituted a sign and the sign was circumcision. And and at that point he changed um Abram's name to Abraham. Because the Bible says, for God made him to be a father of many nations, Genesis chapter 17. And as he continued to follow God, the Lord miraculously brought to pass the promise of a son, Isaac, both heir to him as well as heir to the promises of God. Despite being 100 years old and Sarah, his wife, being barren and past the age of childbearing, Abraham believed and he faithfully pursued and obeyed the Lord. Now, he was not perfect in character, but he was faithful in trusting and depending on God's word. As Abraham now, his name is Abraham, grew in his relationship with the Lord, the altar expanded his experience with the Lord. The altar extended to a place of testing, obedience, and sacrifice for Abraham. It presented an occasion and an opportunity to actively demonstrate his faith and receive revelation and provision from God. 
It was to an altar that God called Abraham to try his faith. Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 through 18. Abram's humble and obedient response was, here am I. Genesis chapter 22 verse 1. And God told him to take his only son Isaac, whom he loved, and offered him for a burnt offering, and offer him for a burnt offering. And this request, you know, it probably seems strange to him because um, it disagreed with the promise that God had made to Abraham that he would be a father of many nations. How could he be the father of many nations if he sacrificed his only son and heir to the the promise of God? But Abraham, being a man of faith, believed his living presence. He believed in the presence of God. He believed in the power of God, the goodness of God, the graciousness of God, the love of God. And did I say power? If I did, let me say it again. In the power of the almighty God that he could give life to the dead and call those things that do not exist into something that does. He was fully convinced in the promises of God. His expectation was you know, um, that God can do it. His faith stood strong, even in the face of contradiction and, and this challenge. Cause I mean, you know, that's the, that's a great challenge to take your only son's life. Abraham believed that the Lord God could and would do what he promised. His whole life was centered around his faith in God. Therefore, you know what? He obeyed God. He trusted that God would provide. There at the altar, he laid not only his son, but the son of promise, along with all his hopes, his dreams, his future, his legacy. He laid it all on the altar. And although he didn't know the outcome of the circumstance, he was willing to give up all because he trusted in the living God that had walked with him and talked with him and fellowship with him. He didn't withhold anything from God. And at the altar of sacrifice, Abram proved his total faith in God. God tested that Abraham revered him in obedience, that he did not hold anything back and obeyed his voice. Wow, that's that's a remarkable testimony and example of faith this altar experience shows that in his presence our obedience determines our reverence when our faith is in active obedience we honor him we honor god and that god is present with us when we surrender all to him all our hopes all our dreams all our potentials, our expectations, everything, he is present to provide for us all the time. When we hear his voice and obey, we receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God, our salvation, from the God of our salvation. We can live in the abundance, in the fullness of his joy, in his presence. Throughout this altar experience, Abraham, the father of faith and the faithful, um, he lived in total dependence and trust in God's presence. 
Even when the situation looked hopeless, he believed in hope. He didn't consider the circumstance or probability of the outcome. He didn't think about what was going to happen. He believed in God and gave him glory. He was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Abraham trusted that God would provide. He endured patiently because God swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying, I will multiply thee. Genesis chapter 22 verse 17. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. The goal of this podcast is to influence Christian believers to lead successful or more successful Christian lives as we reflect on the love of God and the word of God. Join us every Wednesday. Click that subscribe button so you can be notified when the next podcast comes out. Until then, all my kings and queens be blessed.